This is Upstate's HealthLink on air. Linda Cohen here with you. Cancers of the central nervous system, which is comprised of the brain and the spinal cord, make up about 25% of all childhood cancers. But the good news is that in the world of cancer, childhood cancers are still considered rare, making up less than 1% of all cancers diagnosed each year. And they're also becoming increasingly treatable. Here with more on all of this is Dr. Melanie Comito. She's Professor and Division Chief of Pediatrics and of Hematology and Oncology at Upstate's Golisano Children's Hospital and at Upstate Medical University. Welcome, Dr. Comito. Thanks so much for coming in. Thank you for inviting me. So childhood cancer is rare. Tell us about that. So of all the cancer that's out there, only about 1% happens in children. But when you look at it in real impact, human impact, it's about, you know, 46 children are diagnosed every day. Outcomes are improving, but still seven children die every day from um, childhood cancer. And different than adults, when a child's diagnosed, their average age of diagnosis is six to seven years of age. So every child you save or cure of childhood cancer lives another 70 plus years. So... When you're looking at years of life lost, more years of life are lost to childhood cancer compared to adult cancers other than breast, breast cancer. I think that's a very key point. So the idea that it seems like it's only 1% or we say rare, but the impact is very significant. Yes. So let's turn a little bit to um, cancers of the brain and spinal cord. First of all, are they becoming more prevalent? Are we seeing an increase in them in children? I'm not sure we're exactly seeing an increase, but, be, but there are certain subtypes of childhood brain tumors where we haven't made any progress. And so as we're improving the survival of childhood cancer in general, brain tumors have now um, surpassed leukemia as the largest cause of childhood cancer death. Really? So let's start talking so we, you can give us a little bit of an overview of the different kinds of childhood spinal and brain tumors that exist. So what, you know, what are the most common or the most troublesome? So first of all, childhood brain tumors is over 50 different types of tumors that can happen in children. And the types of tumors that you'd see in children are very different than the types of tumors you see in adults. Um, half the children who have um, tumors of the brain and spinal cord have these type of tumors called astrocytomas. And the majority of these astrocytomas are actually low grade. So they're the grade one pilocytic um, astrocytomas or the grade two fibrillary. But when we say, let's just help our listeners understand, when you say low grade, help us understand what you mean. They're not worrisome, they're benign, they don't grow quickly. What are, what, what are the, the so issues? So the pathologist could look at a tumor like that and say, this is grade one, it's benign. But it's not benign, it's located in the brain. And oftentimes the problem with these low-grade tumors in a child is that they're located in very vital areas of the brain. They tend to be by the in, right in the smack dab in the middle. So they're going to obstruct how your spinal fluid flows. They're going to affect areas of um, intelligence, memory processing. As the brain grows and develops, they, right. they're an obstruction. But these tumors will keep growing where they are, and so they're destructive. And um, so they're not, they're, their behavior is not benign. So they have to be treated and dealt with. But they're often in areas where you just can't just cut them out without causing further damage to the child. I want to talk a little bit more about treatment as we go further. But in addition to the astrocytomas, 
What other types of tumors, and, and how do, I guess, what are the general ages? You mentioned most are diagnosed between six and seven, but are there infants who show with a brain or spinal cord tumor, for example, or is it mostly happening in early childhood? So when I use the age six to seven, that's for all childhood cancer in general. Um, for brain tumors, actually, um, there's, there's kind of a peak before the age of three years of age, and, um, but they're present all through childhood and then through adolescence. And so um, you're dealing, so about a third of the children with brain tumor that, tumors that you're treating are under you know, three, four years of age. And so the impact of what you do is great. Very significant. Do, you, do we know at all what causes these? In other words, is there family history involved? Is there, is there more of a gender gap in terms of boys versus girls develop these? What are the you know, characteristics that, that we can point to, so if there, at all? There are a subset of um, childhood brain tumors that can be linked to um, some genetic disorders. So one of these common genetic disorders is called neurofibromatosis. It's a relatively common disorder, and they have an increased risk of um, brain tumors. Usually they're low-grade um, tumors, and certain terms like optic glioma tend to be um, very specific to the neurofibromatosis group. Um, there is a type of tumor called a subependymal giant cell astrocytoma that's seen in children with tuberous sclerosis. But that only accounts for a small percentage, and it doesn't account for very many of the cancerous brain tumors that we see in children. So when you make the distinction between low-grade and then, <clears throat> excuse me, cancerous ones, the cancerous ones, in addition to um, growing and obstructing, as you mentioned, with the low-grade, how are they different? So these are very rapidly growing, aggressive tumors that want to spread throughout the brain and spinal cord axis. And so even when you think about how to treat them, you have to treat them knowing of that behavior. If you don't treat a cancerous tumor, it will take your life quickly. So are the cancers that we've been talking about, the tumors that exist in the brain, similar to those in the spinal cord, or are they distinctly different? Um, so there are, cancerous tumors can have primarily be in the brain, that you can have a cancerous tumor that arises in the spinal cord. Most spinal cord tumors tend to be of the lower grade varieties and are amenable to surgery. Oh, so those are more, maybe easier to get at, so to speak, in terms of treatment? Most of the time. But if they're cancerous, it's the same problems as treating a cancerous tumor in the brain. And how is that diagnosed? In other words, is it imaging mostly, or are there blood markers that can determine the nature of the disease, or do they have to go in and basically do some kind of biopsy? How, how do they make the distinction between the grades? So um, most um, brain tumors are eventually diagnosed by imaging, so um, usually with MRI. But then to tell if they're a low-grade tumor versus a high-grade tumor, um, you usually have to get tissue to do that. Which so, means some kind of a biopsy. Right. There's a lot we can tell from the MRI. MRIs have a lot of computer capabilities to, to tell us a lot. They can tell us the cellularity of the tumor. The more cellular the tumor seems to be on imaging, the more likely it is to be a high-grade tumor, the more it causes swelling. If so we the, see evidence of spread, though, then we know for sure it's a high-grade tumor. So some of the imaging alone can really help with that diagnosis without an invasive procedure yes, in many it cases. Yes, it can 
be suggestive. It's not totally diagnostic. If you're just joining us, you're listening to Upstate's HealthLink on air. I'm Linda Cohen, along with pediatric oncologist Dr. Melanie Camito, and we're talking about cancers of the brain and spinal cord in children. So it's often said that children are not simply small adults. I know that's kind of a, a motto of people in pediatrics. So how are these cancers different in children than they are in adults? What are this kind of? Uh, how do the symptoms vary? For example. So children have, have a different array of brain tumors than adults get. Um, adults tend to have the glioblastoma is the predominant brain tumor in adults. Um, in and it tends to be located in the upper parts of the brain. In children, um, the location of the tumors is very different. They tend to be these central tumors or they're in the back part of the brain um, by the cerebellum. And so the location is different. And if the location is different, the symptoms you present with are very different. And the symptoms you present with vary by the age of the child. The symptoms an infant would have would be very different if you were 12 of years course. old. Right. So just in general, some of the symptoms that you might see, might you see seizures, for example, um, you know, a change in mood in an older child. So seizures are actually not a very common cause of a um, a common symptom of a brain tumor in a child. Um, because these tumors tend to be in the back and the middle part of the brain, they tend to present with signs of high brain pressure. And so those symptoms can be morning vomiting, headaches. Um, eventually you will get decreased activity. Um, and in young infants, it's the same symptoms they present with, with everything else that they have Irritability. Going on. Irritability. Um, but when you get into the school ages, they there can be a change in school performance. Um, Complaints of headaches, perhaps? Headaches, and the headaches um, tend to get progressively worse. Um, and How about changes in vision or hearing? Does that occur? Depending on, you know, if the tumor is pressing, it's, these tumors in the middle brain can, can affect um, vision. If it's cerebellar tumors that are located very in a tight angle can affect hearing. But the other thing is that some of these central tumors they can be pressing on that master gland in the brain called the pituitary gland. And so some children will actually present with hormonal symptoms. That can be like they all of a sudden stop growing really? or they go through puberty too young in life. Um, and so signs of um, ab you know, abnormal hormonal things should make you think that, that the child may possibly have a brain tumor. So are these generally picked up, though, in childhood, or are sometimes a tumor can kind of be so quiescent that someone can grow to adulthood with a tumor in their brain, not Mo knowing it? Most of the time, these tumors are picked up in childhood. Um, and part of um, my mission when I, as I you know, take care of children with brain and spinal cord tumors is when I do education of like pediatric residents, I try to help them understand the signs and symptoms because these children come to their offices with the same complaints that all the other sick children so come to your office. So what's different? Um, what's different is it's how it's teaching them that, you know, if they have these symptoms, doing a good neurologic exam, trying to get the sick child who looks like they have the flu off the table, can they walk? can, you know, how to do a quick cerebellar exam, how to, you know. So you're check, checking things like balance, all kinds of other things that might right. suggest and, more of a central nervous system And the other key is listen to the parent's story. If you really listen to the story, they often give you the diagnosis. So let's get to treatment because I don't want to run out of time. We've said in the beginning that it's more hopeful, the treatments are more successful. Tell us about treatment today. So treatment varies depending on the type of tumor. So first we'll start with these children with the low-grade tumors. That's half of the patients that I see. 
And what I tell parents when their child has a low-grade tumor is that not to look at this as a cancer, but more as a chronic problem. My goals of treatment are to help their child grow up and have the best neurologic outcome that they have. We um, have learned a lot about these tumors biologically. We know that despite the fact they look really bland under the microscope, they actually are amenable to many chemotherapy drugs. And now new biologic drugs are coming as, as we understand the pathways. Back when I started in the early 90s, we used to use a lot of radiation therapy. Radiation therapy is helpful for making them not grow for several years, but the long-term outcomes are um, devastating. So in ge- now, radiation therapy has taken very much a back burner for the low-grade tumors. So you're using largely chemotherapy? We use chemotherapy. And chemotherapy has short-term risk, but as far as long-term risks and helping the child to grow up to be healthy, it actually is um, better. Is surgery ever considered? Surgery is considered. So if tumors are in part of the part of the brain um, where they can be completely removed, that is actually the, the treatment of choice. So in terms of children's needs here in central New York, you've just come as the new division chief and professor of hematology oncology for the Cancer Center. And you've brought with you a lot of new expertise, I'm sure. Are all of these um, treatment options now available to children here in central New York? Yes, we have the capability of treating children with a variety of different types of brain tumors. Um, we have a very good multidisciplinary team. We have pediatric neurosurgery. We have radiation therapists with expertise in children. We have excellent um, facilities in both neurosurgery and radiation therapy. And by our um, interactions with the Children's Oncology Group, we have access to clinical trials for those children who have the cancerous tumors um, so that ch- children can come here and get state-of-the-art treatment. But also, I bring expertise where I've um, formed a nice network, and I the neuro-oncology network is small. We all know each other, and we're all very happy to talk to each other about our cases. Well, we're so happy you've joined us, and thank you so much for coming in and sharing all this with us. It's, it seems to me that it's a much... Even though initially you pointed out that it's not that hopeful because it really does, when a child becomes, you know, a, a cancer patient, it, there's a really great loss potential there. But it sounds like we're doing a much better job in saving these lives. We are doing a much better job. Thank you so much. My guest has been Dr. Melanie Comito, Professor and Division Chief of Pediatrics and of Hematology Oncology at Upstate Golisano Children's Hospital and Upstate Medical University. I'm Linda Cohen. You're listening to Upstate's HealthLink on air.